What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Long Play Listening Party, the show where we go deep on local music, writing, recording, inspiration, gear, and whatever else sounds good to us. I'm Howie Howard from Mr. Furious Records, joined by my co-host, Nate Holt. What's going on, Nate? What's up, everybody? Special guest, guest host, uh, return visitor approach, Sean Hunt out of Lawrence. What's going on, Sean? Hey, bud. How you guys doing? We're good. We're good. And uh, welcome to Carlos Ransom. Um, what's going on, Carlos? Thanks for having me. We're going to be listening to uh, an album by Carlos and Isaac Deal tonight and next week as well. Um, so just briefly, uh, you may know, uh, if you knew Isaac, Isaac passed away far too young last summer, June 19th. Uh, Isaac was a musician in and around Lawrence for almost 20 years and made music, tons of music in tons of styles with tons of collaborators. And uh, we're just going to listen tonight. We're going to listen to one slice. Um, it's a wonderful slice. It's not the whole picture. There's no way to fit the whole picture into <laughs> one show. And uh, so we're we're going to get it started. And Carlos, uh, like we talked about, I mean, Tell us what you remember, if anything, of, of how you met Isaac and how you started making music together. Uh, I mean, I I remember going to Manhattan to pick up Isaac and Nez when they were moving to Lawrence. Um, I went with John Quest, um, and that was the first time I actually met him, I believe. Uh, and then and I'm pretty sure they played a show out of uh, the TP. Um, you remember that, Sean? Absolutely. I think that was the first time I saw our type form, and I was like, "Dude, this guy sounds like a, like, like a white Nas." <laughs> I was like immediately like, I, "I like this guy a lot," you know. <laughs> yeah. And then I don't, you know, I don't know how we ended up hooking up just other than like hey man you want i have i have some some beats you want to you want to do something you know and i I remember how you guys hooked up yeah i mean we did like two songs for just my instrumental album and that was the first Mm -hmm. i i I put out one in like oh three or super earlier than that uh, earlier Followed by another one like a year or two later. And with you. Yep. Yep. Well, we were going to do, we were going to do what became you and Isaac's first project. You had that music and uh, we were all set to go. And then I struck that deal with uh, Coup d'etat and they needed me to remix my record and like make a deadline and then it just ended up pushing what we were trying to do it just created this weird gap in time and i remember i remember standing out front of my house having a conversation with you when me nez and brent tactic lived in that house right off naismith and i gave you a call and i was like all this stuff's so weird and i'm about to go on this tour i don't know if i'll have time to do it and you were like that's fine but you're like what do you think if i did it with isaac and I go, absolutely, like even better than me. You know what I mean? Like perfect person, you know? And then you guys, 
to the stars, dude. So, Carlos, you were already making beats at the time you met. Yeah. Do you want to tell us how you started making beats or just how you started making music in whatever form? Um, my, well, when I first moved to Lawrence, like I had, before that, I had never been exposed to seeing live hip hop or been exposed to um, the only like hip hop I was exposed to was like early 80s. Um, and then later got into punk um, and then moved to Lawrence and then here's like live shows that I'm able to go to lots of them and uh, I'm meeting people like that have you know the same interests and start talking and I pick I grab some turntables and I start really focusing on turntables and uh, you know I was doing shit with those where it was like I was playing with four turntables and I mean this recorder all at once just making weird shit you know um, and that that took me like I don't know the, the turntablism. I entered some some competitions, some battles, um, and the, the battle stuff just wasn't for me. And I really wanted to create my own music, and that's what I was trying to do with the, the turntables. But you know, like in a, a different way, I I really wanted to be a producer more so than a turntablist. And so I I, I got a, a PlayStation for my birthday and I got the MTV music generator. <laughs> and that's that's what I, I started making beats on because I had nothing else other than just the tables and mini disc recorders. Uh, so that's where it all started. And then eventually it led into, I got a computer and started making beats on acid. Um, and that started it all, really. Eventually started buying gear, but for the most part, um, well, and, until like recently, everything was primarily on a computer. And don't let him glaze over the fact that dude was killing it on the MTV beat generator. Like, <laughs> the beats were sick. Like, they were sick. I was just, and it's funny, the two artists, like, dope artist friends I have, the Lozano and then uh, Carlos, they both were making beats on Beat Generate. You know what I mean? Like, my look at my friends that are dope visual artists are making these beats on Beat Generator and are really good at it. Carlos was really good at it. It wasn't like, like, if you heard of Beat Generator stuff, you wouldn't, probably some of his earlier work, a little more refined, but you wouldn't know that he was making it on that. That's how good his ear was. It's crazy. That's how I met him. I met him. John Quest took me over to his place and he played me beats off of that. And I was like, what is happening right now? Like, <laughs> how are you getting that out of that? You know? <laughs> and he's exactly like he was back then, the, mo the most egoless person, like, you'll ever meet so he was just kind of like whatever <laughs> <laughs> and I was just sitting there like the, what the hell is going on over here and he was like I didn't even realize at the time that he had just got turntables and like or had them for a little bit 
and he was murdering me. Like I, I assumed I probably this is the first time I probably knew that I thought you came from Joplin with turntables. I had no idea that when I was meeting you, you were new to that. Yeah. That's sick, dude. That's crazy. But you're and crazy, you. You're crazy, man. I, I bought a hundred seventy-five dollars, well, hundred off a of Craigslist in Kansas City at some dude's apartment. That's and, crazy, and man. That is that's how it started. That's nuts. Yeah. That's, and I was, my albums I was making with, I, I would have like a mini disc recorder that I, I would start a beat in the music generator sometimes, um, and I'd have that at one side and then I would live record like with the tables into another mini disc recorder and then, and then I would take the mini disc out and flip it over to the other one and just record live like track after track after track yeah that was my, I remember that it's like a high tech version <laughs> of the old boombox technique Poste, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah yeah. I, I remember that Carlos is why I got a mini disc player because he was doing that stuff so I was like well hell I need to get the mini disc my stuff wasn't that tight though on it <laughs> the mini discs were cool because there, there was no like there was minimal loss in the yep. sound quality you know yep Yep. Yeah, I had a mini disc. I mean, I mostly used it to record kind of like live bootlegs of, you know, when we'd go do shows, I'd tap off the soundboard and take a recording stuff. I didn't do a lot of like that kind of faux multi-tracking or anything. Well, I only had the one recorder, so, you know. Yeah. I did demos and stuff, so yeah, mini disc. They were great, man. And you could get them yeah. to sound like, especially with like hip hop, like the drum aspect of it, you could really get that mini disc to punch, which was yeah. like, which was hard, but you could really like level that thing. And, you know, the metering on it was really cool. You could really, really like get in there live. One of my favorite producers, Mocha Only, I think even to this day, he would track stuff out like he'd cut a beat straight from mini disc and then dump them into his thing. So. Yeah, they were sick. I almost wish I still had that one, right? What's that? You still have a mini disc, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I, I bought another, another one not that long ago just to go back yeah. and listen to a bunch of my old ones. But you can you can actually go in and you can track on a mini disc. You can like yeah. cut out little you know like cut out like empty space in between songs and and seam stuff up really nice. So. Yep. That's how, that's how I did like my first album wow. completely. Dude, I'm gonna go in this closet and start pulling out all your records. Like, <laughs> you yeah, is that like, stuff I, available? Can we link to that, or is it not online? Uh, my very first album that I I was just talking about, I do not have that online, but I I've thought about it. It's it's some real sloppy sh- turntablism shit, like invisible scratch pickles stuff like as much i i just i was in love with invisible scratch pickles and that's everything i did was along that yeah but i go back and listen to it and i'm like eh, it was very sloppy but for what it was it was it was very fun part of the journey you know yeah, yeah. What about so sorry, now that you're sharing that process, it'll be very interesting to everybody, though, to hear it. Should put it up for real. Yeah, 
And that was under the DJ Epidemic name when I was going by yep. that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you remember, so we're listening to, uh, I don't even think I said off the top exactly, this is ID and Sleeper, Displacement, the deluxe edition that you put on Bandcamp. Um, what do you remember about these these beats? Making up um, gear. So, this... Do that again, Sean. There you go. Displacement came from the Rain Closet album. So Rain Closet was the first thing that me and Isaac did together as a full-length project. Um, and he was going by Vague, had the name Vague at that time. Um, I was still going by Mad Awkward. Um, and he came up with the name Rain Closet. Uh, and it was, you know, they, they were all beats. And for the most part, they were beats that were specifically for that part. Um, and I started shopping it around, like, you know, what we did back when I was in punk punk band, we would send out dates to, to what, whatever label we thought our music was a good mix with. And I sent one. There was there were like two two labels at that time that I I would would have loved to been on, and and one was Anticon and one was Mush. Uh, they were both putting out music that I listened to, and I thought, well, why not? I'll send in this uh, the CD. Rain Closet and um, it wasn't very long I never heard back from either one and it wasn't very but it wasn't very long after that that the Much Records tour came through Lawrence and we were asked to open up it was at the Gaslight and uh, we had no idea that that was kind of a scouting <laughs> show where they were they were checking us out and reporting back the owner of the label like yeah you should sign this guy you know so after we found that out and then we started talking and he was like the owner of Mushlet was like you can either we can either like clean this album up or you can give us a whole new one and we were like well let's just kind of do both and and clean it up and then add some songs and take away some songs so um I love the Rain, Cla- Rain Closet album for what it is. Like, I, I think it's way more raw than Displacement, but it's it's a lot of the same songs, some new ones, a different version. And we tried to uh, we tried to polish it up for a little. <laughs> I think I'm going off memory because um, I don't have the tab open because I'm capturing video for the. Show that picture again, Sean, would you? Is that the show? It was a a show slightly before that. Around, yeah. Yeah, slightly months. I think, I'm going off memory, but I think that ring closet is included in the deluxe version, right? Yes. Yeah. So you can hear both. You can hear both Mm -hmm. on Bandcamp and buy both. Yeah, that's all those demos of those songs um, and the first two songs that we ever made together about that as well. And remixes. I think there's one or two remixes. 
Man, the cool thing about you two is like, like a lot of us when we were in this time period, we were gaining a lot of not only inspiration from what we listened to, but that hive of all of us getting together and um, kind of networking in that sense. And you just periodically you picked your spots of when you would pop out and when you would, you were like, always kind of the mad scientist of all, out of all of us like you were just kind of like you'd pop up and like you and i are, are boys so i knew where to get a hold of you but like yeah. to everybody else that come and catch you do a show when you felt like it and then you would like <laughs> kind of you know just disappear and then it's come an back enigma. with these works yeah. <laughs> but the thing about it is he was the most accessible uh, out of all of us if you put money on the books to get a tattoo because he was working every day. No, that's so what I'm about to say, what's, what's your weight yeah. like now? <laughs> I, I just book quarterly. And I don't have a wet weight list. I just book quarterly, and I take Damn. all my submissions, um, you know, the first of certain months, and I just pick and choose what I want to do. I've been doing oh, that almost 30 years. That's dope. <laughs> What other so dude dope. do you know who has <laughs> over years, uh, a career's worth of awards, and you just throw some humble dude, man? It's like, I don't need any of this. I don't do any of this shit for any of that. I just do what I do, and I'm just that guy. I love it, man. I'm cursing and stuff on here. I mean, this is my guy. I just, I just love this dude. I love these guys. So uh, this, this, this is an open show. I know. We're all adults. I know. All heard. Bad words. I know. Before, so. Yeah. You feel like we were trying to listen to it with Sean's fucking mouth, man. <laughs> so, so you two met at KU? Uh, Carlos and I? Or him yeah. and I? You, you and Carlos. Johnny Quest took me over to his house. I was living in uh, Overland Park. And I came up because I would come up all the time to go to Love Garden. And I came up and hooked up with John, Johnny, and he was like, I want to take you over and meet my boy Carlos. So he took me over to his house. And that, this is like probably about a year and a half before we all like, like I moved up to Lawrence. Um, Nez and my other people came in for college. So there was like a, a year, like 2000, 2001, where we all kind of like converged in the archetype house and all started hanging out. I met him right about a year before all that happened. I met Nate around the same time too. So it was like, I got, I was taken over to his house. I was like, what's the deal with this guy? I was like, I just like, why are he's a tattoo artist. He can scratch like crazy. He makes beats on a video game thing. I'm like, what is going on? You know what I mean? And just instantly, I think Carlos and I looked each other in the eyes and we were like, yeah. Sean's a whole lot. I don't talk a lot. Perfect. <laughs> and Carl's yeah. got an age. John was instrumental very much in, in a lot of people's tons meeting up. And, yeah. yeah. He's the hub, man. He's the oracle yeah. of all that. Sounds like a show idea, maybe. 
Absolutely. The studio space I'm in right now, he built this. This was his old house. So I recorded in the room that's now the bedroom that my son's sleeping in. I recorded uh, my Ultra Pro album in there. I think everybody in more hip hop walked through this this space. Yeah, Man, you know? that's a, that's a that's pretty cool to be able yeah. to say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and John and I had a project before all of that. Yeah, all of that shit. We had a project called Close Encounters. Close Encounters. That's why he brought me over there. Yeah. So I met John at uh, oh that music store you worked at. Seventh Heaven. Seventh Heaven. Yeah. Yes. But when there's been Lord, when there's still water Lord. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right across from the replay. Yep. Yeah. Man, I remember I mean, that. I don't remember what I was trying to buy, and we just started talking. And paraphernalia uh, in the bag. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the some turntable is, you know, top Right, right. Cool. Yeah. You know. But we started talking. He was like, you play on the table? So I was like, yeah, I play on He's like, so, so do I. We should we should meet up. I was like, cool. And that was, that was the beginning. It was just as yep. simple as that. You know, he probably came over like that night, <laughs> you know. Remember those days? Yeah. Remember those days where you would meet random strangers and you just yep. like, here's where I live. Yep. Come hang out. How great. <laughs> yeah. And you'd, you'd like mess around until like three, four in the morning just on some love. That was like, yo, this, we'll scratch records for the next six hours. You know what I mean? Yep. Crazy. So much fun. That's similar how I met John. He got a, he was DJing at like Gatzooks in Oak Park Mall, and he booked me and Rebel to come in there and do a show. And it was just he was just that dude. He was just always kick. He was the, like, let's do it right now. Yep. Yeah, I love those drums. Are sick. Oh, what's this made with again? This remix, uh, this is this was when I was doing a lot of circuit dancing. So, uh, a lot of strange sounds <laughs> at that time. I was wondering when that was going to come up because this dude used to take toys and circuit bend them and like anything. It just, what's the deal with this guy? <laughs> That was like came very obsessed with circuit bending. Like that's it was so dope. I would go over and he'd be like, look at this, and then I run it through this effect pedal. I'm like, when did you do this? How's <laughs> like, that all day? I know you that all day. Like, did this happen? You're like, yeah, me and I this song. I used to live right across from Lion. That was when you were going crazy with the circuit bending. You had all the stuff. Yeah, Isaac. I mean, this this was this remix was recorded. I don't know how long after we recorded the original version of this. 
um, and he just came to me and he's like, hey, I have, like, I have a different, I want to do this di other version of this song um, and with an extra, a whole extra verse. And I was like, okay, here's some, here's some beats. Let's figure out which one will work. This is one of the, my, one of my favorite things he ever did. And I should point out, this is a uh, 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 quote-unquote the side B. Uh, so it's like 8 through 15. So the next uh, next week we'll be listening to uh, to 1 through 7. Oh, dope. Okay. That's dope. Hell yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, Isaac with rap or sing over most anything that I would hand over to him. He would take just about all of it. And the whole Crawl Space album we did together was was originally just an instrumental album. Yep. And I, I was like, man, I, I feel like it needs, I feel like it needs you on it, you know? <laughs> So I handed it to him, and, and he just, I told I told him, just pick whatever songs you want to rap on or, or sing on, and there's both of that on there. He picked about half that out. I mean, that guy, I mean, you uh, look at, or oh, when we do that 10 Minutes record with Jarrett, man, like, you know, that's like him singing, and like, I think he, you know, played a little guitar on that, man, like, Yep. I just uh, it's crazy how how much you can just you know uh, yeah Isaac's the purest do. artist I've ever met yeah. he uh I have a cheat code of living with him during like a very productive time of his early adulthood so you know the second record he was doing with Carl well the tailwind I was hanging out with Isaac nonstop when he was writing his placement. And then I was living with him when he was doing like Avatar Hotel and the last two archetype albums and well, the, the, all of the archetype albums of time and all space. And just as you, you know, Nate know, as Carlos knows, like that guy, like who get off work get a beer, go out on his porch, wherever porch we are, backyard, or, and write. Read and write. Read and write. Like, you know, we're doing the same thing, but, like, I don't write like that. You know what I mean? And he just, like, I mean, he wrote like an author. He just wrote and wrote and kept journal. I mean, just nonstop. And it was so inspiring because, like, you know, I just sit out there. That's, that's my boy. He would just, like, it wasn't like he rapped anything to you unless he wanted you to hear it. He just he just wrote. He wrote thoughts and journal entries and songs and it was just it 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 quickly showed me like I was like, man, I don't I don't work hard enough at this. You know what I mean? Like he works really, really hard on multiple mediums. So to sing or to just Carlos isn't making beats right now, I'm gonna start playing guitar. I can play drums, like Everybody's kind of moving away. I'm going to work on this stuff because these are the creatives I'm around at the moment. It's just because he always wrote like that. He wrote words to place in any medium that he felt like he needed to express himself.
It was mm-hmm. beautiful, man. And how do you? I didn't hardly know him. I mean, our satellites played a couple shows with Varmacross when he was playing with Varmacross. Yeah. So, so I said hi to him a couple times, but that's really about it. But so, like, was that? Um, did did he approach that more as like a discipline? Like I've got to, you know, this is my practice, and or was it more just like from the gut? And this is what I want to do when I get home. He didn't have a choice, man. Yeah, it was an obsession. It and was an obsession. It, it, yeah, an obsession and and a, an intense desire to create all the fucking time. Because like, he drew and painted and like he just it was nonstop. Yeah. You know, but and he was like <laughs> the other beautiful thing about Isaac is he's kind of like he's our he's our boy, so you know you could, but he's kind of like a uh, kind of like a grouchy old man about it, you know. About so he's like loving, and you were in his circle, but he was guarded. So and his guarded would just come up, and he was like he just looked at the world for what it was, and was kind of like cynical about shit. But like you knew part of that was just like, you know, life wasn't easy for him growing up. And so he he developed, you know, armor. But like if you were in, he made you feel like the most important person that ever lived. If he loved you, dude. Yeah. Can't say it any better than that. Listeners, we'll be back at you. Next week with side one of ID and Sleeper's Displacement. This has been the Long Play Listening Party. Links to tons of stuff, tons of stuff's about Isaac. Jared's got an amazing tribute video. Lots of links in the description. We'll be back with more next week and uh, more music then. We'll see you. It's been the Long Play Listening Party. All right.